Talk Podcast. And like the best advice that I'm getting right now is having a system for everything. Like literally everything in your life has, have a system for it. And that includes taking your data. Like it's so important. Um, I wish that I knew your, knew you, my CFI year is going to say, I wish I knew me in my CFI. I knew the current me in my CFI year. SLPs, I'm Michelle, and this is the Pep Talk Podcast for Continuing Education. This podcast provides furthering knowledge on topics related to speech-language pathology. I interview experts in our field to bring you the most up-to-date information so you can go out into your workplace and feel more confident and learn new skills. You can use this episode for a professional development hour to maintain your ASHA CCCs. This course is also certified by the Texas Speech and Hearing Association, also known as TISHA. You must complete the course quiz with a passing score to earn your certificate of completion. You can find more information, other courses, and helpful tools on my website, peptalkpodcastforslps.com. Connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or email me at michelle at peptalkpodcastforslps.com. I love hearing from you guys. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Just a quick disclaimer, the contents of this episode are not meant to replace clinical advice. Pep Talk Podcast, its host and guests do not represent or endorse specific products or procedures mentioned during the episodes unless otherwise stated. Each episode topic has been carefully chosen to fill an educational need. If you have an additional perspective or any information to contribute, or if you need special accommodations to participate in this course, please reach out at info at peptalkpodcastforslps.com. This entire episode is transcribed if you would like to or need to read this episode in text. Hey, hello, everyone. Hi. I am Michelle Andrews. I'm your host for the Pep Talk Podcast, and I am a pediatric speech-language pathologist with a private practice near Austin, Texas, and I am the owner of Pep Talk. Um, I know we're going to have some other guests arrive here at a little, uh, not audience members arrive here shortly. So I'll try to kind of take my time with the intro, but we're going to get started. Um, here, this is our first live podcast episode complete with the live studio audience. Thank you all for showing up. Um, this has been a lot of fun to plan and to put together and I'm really excited to see how it goes. Um, A recorded replay will be available as just a regular podcast episode later this week. Uh, This episode is about data today. Maybe I will finally learn if it's data, data, whatever. I'm going to learn all all the things from Michelle um, and a a lot of information about management skills. All right. So today my guest speaker is Michelle Rothstein. Here is a little bit about Michelle. Uh, Michelle is a school-based SLP working full-time in an elementary school for students K through six and is the owner of SLP Madness. She serves as a a consultant and coach for school-based SLPs to help them meet the ever-growing demands of their caseload while meeting the needs of their students. Michelle believes that therapy success stems from strong caseload management and accurate data collection. In her 24 years as a school-based SLP, Michelle has served as her department coordinator, as well as an instructional technology consultant to the other therapists in her school district. Michelle shares her passion for data collection and caseload management as an educational consultant 
supporting and guiding SLPs nationwide. Outside of work, Michelle is a mom to a teenage daughter. She is a fitness instructor who loves teaching step aerobics. Family and fitness occupy her time when she is not working at school and coaching other SLPs through SLP Madness. Sorry, I did have to read that, everyone, because I wanted to say everything about Michelle. She does amazing things. All right, so first we need to go over some formalities for the course. Um, so our financial disclosures. My financial disclosures, I am the owner of Pep Talk LLC, and I am also the founder and manager of the Pep Talk podcast. Uh, Michelle's financial disclosures include she is the owner of SLP Madness, and she has no other non-financial disclosures. All right, so the fun part, the learner objectives. This is what you guys will learn today. Um, number one, you will understand the difference between using data collection probes and therapy charting. You will also learn, um, you will identify five places data probes get reported in the IEP process. Uh, you, we, you will be able to state three ways digital data sheets will save you time on IEP paperwork. And you will be able to explain why using Data collection probes are legally defensible. This stuff is important, you guys. This is awesome. All right, let's get started. Uh, today, we are talking all about uh, data taking management and methods for a smoother, efficient process. Taking data does not have to be so hard. Taking, um, <clears throat> taking data should improve your paperwork, not cause more stress. Now let's give your data taking skills a makeover. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, uh, Michelle Michelle Rothstein. Hi there, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this evening. Hi. Usually, so this is the first live, so this is the first time I feel like everyone's just been like seeing your face, but you just had to be <laughs> quiet for a while. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. I am so excited for this live episode and to hear all the awesome information you're going you're gonna to tell us. Um, well, I know I gave a bio, that's kind of your professional bio, but tell me a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, past current jobs, interest. Tell us about yourself. Thank you first for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you to the audience um, for tuning in and listening. Um, you kind of hit the highlights, but a little bit about me. I am um, a school-based SLP uh, through and through have been for my entire career. And I actually am from a suburb outside of Philadelphia, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, if anybody is familiar with the area. And the school district that I work in is actually the largest suburban school district. It's the third largest in Pennsylvania behind Philadelphia and then Pittsburgh. And um, mine is basically my CFY year and then a little sum. I have been in the same school district my entire professional career. So I have been in, jumped around different schools within the district, but primarily at the elementary level. Um, like you said, K to six, I specialize in working with kids on the autism spectrum, um, your normal, you know, traditional articulation therapy, language impairment, phonology, you know, you name it in the schools. We see it all and <laughs> we treat it all. So um, that's just a little bit about me. That's great. All right. Thank you, Michelle. So I guess we can dive right in to all the information about data collection. Um, would you like to go ahead and share your slideshow? Yeah, great. I'm going to share my screen with you. Okay. And everybody else that's out there. Awesome. One 
Those of you listening in the future, (laughs) uh, listening uh, just on my regular podcast on the replay, um, Michelle's going to talk about all the slides. So the slides are an added bonus to those live here today, but um, you will still get all the great information. Don't you worry. Okay. So um, here's, sorry, this this is just my intro. So I'm just going to, and this was a little bit about me. So we're going to skip over that. And so kind of just a little bit uh, tongue and cheek, you are really, you're kind of in the wrong place if you have unlimited time to spend on your work. Um, You love working beyond your contractual hours and especially, you know, on paperwork. And if you have mastered really all of that IEP reporting data and progress monitoring you're required to do. And again, if you're not worried about the legally defensible stuff, then, you know, you can check out now and, uh, not worry about it. But obviously, I know that that is um, not the case. And that is why you're here on a Monday night. And um, yeah, I mean, all very important stuff. So I'm actually just going to pause for just a quick second and make sure that you guys are seeing me, okay, in the same way that, um, and you're seeing my slides. So I apologize okay. for that. I just wanted to pause for a second because okay, I, I, see I could the slides. not see you. Um, okay. There is a chat, everyone. So do you see, should be a little chat button. Um, make sure it says to everyone. Oh, hi, Catherine. Yes. Okay, yes. Oh, Feel yay. free to hi, chime Catherine. in. Yes. Alexis. Why don't you guys also oh, put fun. in Alexis where <laughs> you guys are from. Um, give us an idea of where you are dialing in from. That would be super awesome. Maybe... Um, if you're in a school, if you're in a different setting, um, we would love to to see that if you're interested in in having that kind of pop up um, as we go. Oh, there we go. Oh. Lots of messages. They all popped up. Oh, Dawn, Texas. Me too. Um, your school base, Bristol. Okay, we see a lot of a lot of these comments. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining. I guess yes. actually seeing your names pop up in. Uh, your messages. California, New York. Real. <laughs> oh, North Wales, PA. We are neighbors, Stacy. Oh my goodness. You'll have to reach out. Yet North Wales, I live in Chalfont. So I'm like literally around the corner from you. We are neighbors. Small world. That's super fun. Um, all right. Well, why will you guys populate that in? Why don't we we'll get mo- we'll get moving? Um obviously Michelle already talked about learning objectives, so we're gonna um jump past that. But I just want to say that you're probably here because you are maybe one of the SLPs in the 80% when I did a poll on Instagram and just said, like, how do you feel about taking data? Over 80% of the SLPs that responded didn't feel great about it. So that that really says something. So that is probably why, why you were here. And I am confident that the end of our time together, you are going to feel um much better. So I'm going to guess that maybe your current data situation looks like this. I know years ago mine did. This is what your desk is overflowing at the end of the day. You've got notes on different kiddos kind of all over the place. Um, and I'm just going to say it doesn't really have to look like this. It doesn't. So let's, we're, we're going to start to to dive into um, just a little bit about the differences of you know, why we want our data collection to be legally defensible. Obviously, we want it to 
inform our instruction. And so that that legally defensible piece, right? You want to make sure that your data is collected at the same interval that your IEP states and in the same method in which your IEP states. So if your goal is written for a percent accuracy, well, then you want to make sure you're collecting your data and reporting it in percent accuracy. Obviously, our data collection needs to inform our instruction. And what, in order to do that, and this is one of the big takeaways, is that you want to start to think in, in the framework in your head is that you want to be able to separate out and understand that data collection is a separate um, uh, session than taking, doing your therapy. So they happen at two totally different times. They don't co-occur and happen at the same time. So one session would be data collection outside of your treatment, okay? So let's get into it and talk about the differences between therapy charting and using progress monitoring probes. So if your graduate school experience was anything like mine, it was ingrained in me from a, a, right from the get-go that every session you should be therapy charting. And what I mean by that is during your treatment, you are charting that plus minus, what their prompt level was, and you're doing that data collection online while you're working with the student. And what I'm going to say to you is that kind of all of those professors in graduate school, they were wrong on this. That's really not what we want to be doing. Again, what we want to be doing is taking data outside of our therapy. And we'll dive into a little bit, a couple slides further about why that's so important. But what you want to do is administer progress monitoring probes that are consistent that are administered as a baseline at the beginning. And then those same probes are used to measure and chart progress throughout the course and the duration of the IEP. And like I already mentioned, those it, that administration happens at a separate time outside of your therapy, okay? So just talking about data collection dues, right? First and foremost, we want to be consistent. And I always say you want an apples to apples comparison. So again, that is why you administer the same probe from the time you identify it as a need through all the trimesters or all your quarters through the duration of your IEP. You also want, in an ideal world, that that probe would be administered regardless of who the therapist is that inherently eliminates therapist bias. There's no judgment of like, was that a correct response? Was that not a correct response? Do Are the stimuli I use different from the stimuli another therapist uses and therefore change up their data, um, which again, would then give you kind of a wavy graph of progress. Again, another data collection do is that it is not done during therapy. It is completely separate from your treatment. We don't want those two things to co-occur together. Again, your data collection must be reported in a baseline. You must have a clear starting point. One, to know, is it an appropriate goal for a student? Two, to measure progress. And to three, to gauge what your ending point is going to be. 
we know that when we write those IEP goals, it's our best guess. It's our projection of what we think a student may acquire in a year, but it should be rooted in data, right? That best guess, that benchmark, we may or may not meet it in a year, but if we're basing that recommendation or that projection off of a really solid starting point, then we are much more likely to write an annual goal that a student is able to achieve or hopefully achieve. Um, another data collection due is to make sure that you are collecting data at the same interval every single month, every single week, um, and that ideally would be reported or written into your IEP goal. So I personally take data monthly. Um, some, some therapists take data twice a month. I have gotten questions and, and maybe this will be asked later on is like, what do I do when the school district says I have to take it every session? Um, but you want it to be consistent. So if for me, my data collection is monthly, um, I aim for this second week of every month. And then that gives me leeway so that if the student's absent or they're unavailable, I have the third or the fourth week of the month um, to get my data in, but you want that to be consistent. And again, I hit upon this earlier is that you want to report it in the same way your goal is written. So obviously it can be percent accuracy, it can be number of trials or opportunities, it can be a checklist, it can be a rubric, it can be first trial data. Whatever it is, it should be the same every time you get to your data collection. So again, just kind of summarizing through the steps you would be thinking about when it comes to, to your data collection. You start with your assessment. Um, you're gonna gather your data, both informal and standardized. We're gonna get, get our baselines, our, those really solid, good starting points. You're going to write goals, and then you're going to progress monitor. And throughout all of these five steps, you are using those data collection probes the whole way through. So when you kind of think about all of these five steps, we start our assessment, I identify a need, I'm going to administer some informal assessment to gather more data. That then becomes the baseline of my goal. That progress monitoring baseline is written into my goal. And then I progress monitor whether, again, whether you're on trimesters, whether you're on quarters. I've had some therapists talk to me about having five or six um, reporting periods throughout a year. Whatever that is, you're doing the same thing kind of, you know, over and over and over again. Michelle, this so, is really awesome. I just have to step in. Yes. Oh, please, just to please say. jump in. No, I would keep you're going taking forever. It <laughs> no, you're good. I just wanted to chime in a couple times here. Um, this is awesome. So I worked at a school just one year in my CFY. And um, so a couple slides down, if you're listening to the replay, what it looked like was um, a guy with sticky notes on his forehead, oh, can, all over him. Can go back. Um, if yeah, just kind of. I was just gonna say that was me. Um, of course, then every time it was time to do the progress monitoring sheets to the to send home, I looked like that, and I was just crazy. I was just terrified. Oh, and then the kid would be absent, and I didn't have their data, and it was just so stressful. Having a system in place, really for all. I'm just. I'm kind of like listening to all these podcasts, and like the best 
advice that I'm getting right now is having a system for everything. Like literally everything in your life has have a system for it. And that includes taking your data. Like it's so important. Um, I wish that I knew your knew you my CFI year is <laughs> gonna save my I wish I knew me in my CFY I knew the current that's me true. in my CFY year. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean there's so much you don't know until you don't know. But Correct. Um, this is just really awesome. So I only worked at a school one year, but I will say this, a lot of this information is still applicable to um, SLPs not in the school, like just taking that baseline yes. data and taking data not during therapies because that is skewed a little bit. So yeah. um, I'll let you take it away again. I just wanted to chime in. and Oh, no, pl- please chime yeah. in because like I said, I, I mean, I, I will keep going, you know, kind You're of doing in, great. indefinitely. Um, but yeah, certainly applicable, um, for private practice, um, as well. I just, I obviously have, I have the school, school-based mindset. Um, but in terms of what you hit upon, Michelle, I, one of the things that's on this slide and I want to talk about when you, when you, you said, um, data collection, if you take it during your therapy, it becomes skewed. And um, on this slide, I talk about the the term I use is that your your data collection becomes dirty because it's influenced by all the cues and the prompts. And if you are in a school and you have students that are in a group, other students' responses or behavior or anything then influence the the one student who's responding at that time. So really what you want is to minimize the skew. You want to minimize the dirty and you want to have what's called clean data. And you have clean data when all you're doing is taking data. And I would equate it to, again, for those of you who are in a school, these are going to be terms you probably know, but formative versus summative assessment that a teacher is giving right? Their formative assessment is their therapy. That's their treatment. That's the check-in. What did you get from today's lesson? What what additional instruction do I need to give you? But when a teacher goes to give the test at the end of the unit, their summative assessment, that is an independent assessment. And that is what our data collection should be. It should not be influenced or dirty by any of the cues and prompts. The other thing that I'm going to tell you, the, the I, there's to me, I would I would put legally defensible on this slide is like actually the the last benefit, which might sound a little bit surprising to you. But the biggest benefit that you get when you remove charting from your therapy is that you are 100 percent present with the child or children that are in front of you. You are not distracted. They are engaged with you. You are engaged with them you are able to provide them exactly the prompt that they need and the scaffolding to be successful. They have less time to get distracted, to get off task, to get themselves into trouble. It's really, it just, your your therapy becomes so much better. With that, because I collect data on a monthly basis, I use a three week, one week rotation, which means only three weeks out of the month, I'm planning therapy lessons. So by making data your therapy plan for an entire week, you're not planning therapy. You're actually doing less work. Um, You're making it cleaner. You're making it easier. You're making it more legally defensible. 
And the benefit is that you have to worry about less therapy sessions. So that's nice. Right. I mean, (laughs) that's, that is one of the things when, when therapists say like, wait a minute, you're right. Like three weeks on one week off. That's really when it's a data week, I show up to work and every kid I see, um, I'm collecting data. Now you may have questions about what that looks like and and we can maybe get into that a little bit, um, in the Q and a, but that's definitely like a whole, that's a whole nother workshop. But I will say to you, there are the times where I would tell you to think about deviating from that is that if I see a student in a group and their group mate is absent and they show up individually, I scrap my lesson for that day and I take data because getting a student by themselves when they're normally serviced in a group is is like a gold mine. So um, that is the one time that I will deviate from my what is you know going to be my data week. Like I said, if I get a student by themselves, that's like, you know, makes it much easier to collect my data. So um, those are uh, some of the big, big pieces. Now this to me, this is like the money shot. So I always say this is like a five-way intersection with a roundabout, if you were to equate it to like driving. But this is to me why data collection is so important and how it improves all aspects of our job. A lot of people, I think, think that our evaluation through IEP process is linear, right? We get a referral, we do a screening, we do our evaluation, we collect some information, we write an IEP, we have goals, we have service, their IEP expires. And I would argue that our process, while it's linear in nature, is not really linear. It is this interactive, cyclical um, process with data in the middle. And when you have really good data, I'm going to talk about how every other aspect of what you do becomes easier, cleaner, like Michelle talked about, gives you the system you need to make everything else run smoothly and efficiently. So again, we get that referral, we have to start an evaluation. Obviously we're collecting information, we're doing standardized assessments, we're getting teacher input, we're getting parent input, um, and we're doing informal assessments. Obviously our entire evaluation is rooted in that data. So if we don't have good data, we don't have a good evaluation. The purpose of that evaluation is to make a qualification. Do they have a disability, yes or no? And then that second prong of do they require specially designed instruction? And I am sure many of you sitting on this call right now and listening have gotten into, we'll call it discussion, maybe sometimes heated discussion with parents, with teammates about your recommendation to qualify a student or not qualify a student. And if you don't have good data sitting in the center of your decision, your justification for qualification becomes easier to challenge. Okay, so let's, we qualify a student and now we're gonna determine what strengths and needs are, right? So we need to write those IEP goals. Again, we're going back to data and we're going back to the starting point. You, have limited amount of time with the students you work with. I know that you are all 
way overworked and have very large caseload sizes. So you need to maximize the time you have with students. And again, you want to make that best guess for what you think is achievable for a student in a year. You also don't wanna write a goal that your student doesn't need. So you, let's say you give the self and they miss the past tense markers, right? On grammatical morphemes and you don't give a probe and you write a goal for regular past tense. And then you get into it and you never checked a baseline and guess what? They might've missed those two on the self, but predominantly right now they're, they're starting at 60, 70% accuracy. That's a waste of your time and that's a waste of their time. So again, you want your IEP goals to be written off that data. Once you have your goals written, you have to determine what's the appropriate level of service. How much time do I need to spend with that student in order to meet these goals? And again, I know if you're anything like me, that becomes a hot topic for discussion and conversation. Um, maybe not for Michelle in private practice because she's uh, not work, you know, not working in the school and and can make um, different recommendations. But when you're making, maybe not for um, insurance companies, but as a private practitioner, it's different. But in the school, we're making a recommendation for how much time we think we need. And again, when it comes down to justifying that recommendation to families, to the IEP team, you have got to come back to the data that's in front of you. And if you don't have good data to support your recommendation of service, then it's not gonna hold up when it gets challenged. Um, and then moving from that through the course of the IEP process, right? Obviously we, we report progress to families and progress reports need to be quantitative. Every school district has different requirements for what they want in them. Some of them want qualitative information as well. But again, our goal is written with an ex expected level of achievement that is quantitative. We need to report that back out. And then at the end of that IEP year, we're going back to our data. Did our student make enough progress? Did they meet those goals? Great. Did they exceed those goals even better? Do they need to continue with us? All of those things, again, um, really come back to data. So for me, that is, that's the money shot. Um, I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna let you think about for like 60 seconds, right? Just reflect for yourself on what you're doing now, what we've talked about. Um, I'm going to, I don't think it, when I switch back over to your view, I can't tell if the, so I'm just gonna let it count down. Hopefully you can see the countdown. But what changes, um, I'm sorry, Michelle, go ahead. Oh, I can just said see? it's counting down. Perfect. Mm -hmm. um, what changes would you make? What steps to your process would you wanna add? And just start start with one. Doesn't have to be an, you know, an everything. And I'm just gonna sit quietly for, uh, 30 more seconds, let you think about that. I hope I have your wheels turning a little bit. Yeah, I have some ideas even <laughs> in my private practice. So like Michelle said, I, it really is for me about systems. And like, I think most of us, like our systems have systems. And so I would tell you that the most important system 
when it comes to data collection, once you wrap your head around, I'm not going to use therapy charting anymore and I'm going to use data collection probes, is what system are you using to collect that data in? And I will tell you that when I made the shift and the transfer to using digital data sheets, um, that has been life-changing and such a time saver. And with even with every school year, I am always making tweaks um, and slight changes about how I can make my system more efficient for myself to take less time. I'll share a very quick story. Um, certainly COVID obviously changed and, and we had to do a lot of things digital, but I would say maybe seven or eight years before COVID, maybe six years, we had a school that caught on fire in the middle of the school year. Not my school, um, but the therapist could not get into her room for probably about four or five months. There were sections of the building that were off limits for, for even longer than that. And at that point in my career, I was still using, like probably many of you are, a nice little folder with paper data sheets inside, all of their lessons, and you know, color-coded by day, like great, great, what I thought was a great system. And when I saw her stuff, like her stuff didn't go up in flames, but it got drowned in, in water and damage, and she couldn't access it for months on end, I thought, oh my God, what, what would happen to me if that happened? Like, how would I do my progress reports? What would I do the next day? Everything was gone. And from that moment on, that was the catalyst for me to shift and say, oh no, like I've got to figure out um, how I'm going to do this. And over time, I've learned that digital data sheets can auto-populate, right, the student information. I put it in one section of the, of the document and it fills the student name into every section. It will auto-fill my progress report data. So all I need to do is control C to copy and control V to paste it into my IEP um, system. Oh, I actually- sounds wonderful. It doesn't it sound That's wonderful? Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, such such a time saver. I just did had this conversation with my department and you know, one of the therapists was like, I spend you know days and weekends doing my progress reports. And I said, I do my progress reports in the three hours in the afternoon that we get at the end of the trimester and mine are done. And her mind, you know, was like exploding that that's how quickly I was able to do them. It is through the efficiency of a really good system that allows me to do it that quickly. Um, the other great thing is like you can link URLs. So you can bookmark your data sheets by your schedule. So there's not the same sort of hunting through well, what folder did I store that stuff in on my hard drive or my cloud? Where is it? Let me click into this folder. Let me click into this folder and, and dig your way in. You can hyperlink that stuff. And with one click, everything opens up that you need. So that is um, another great system. So I'm actually going to jump in and um, show you what that looks like. But again, here's just kind of a highlight of how digital data sheets will, um, will help you. I'm going to stop sharing for a second and then I'm going to share um, a different tab for you. I'm going to just go um, in between so that you can you can see 
All right, so you can now see my data sheets. So this is a sample of what my digital data sheet looks like. And um, what I do is I add my student information in one spot and then it populates over um, to all different places within the sheet. So this is a sample of how I use shading and it will graph. So that was one of the things that I didn't talk about, but one of the benefits is that if your school district requires you to graph, um, and some do, and mine has talked about it, if it came to that, I would just snip this information and paste it where it needed to go. But complete in the system is an activity log where I can you know, quickly type the notes that I did. This is also information that um, you can copy for your medical access billing. And then in my data sheets, there, they go by trimester or by quarter, and they're color coded to represent that. But let's say it's, you know, I was typing in a goal. Um, I'm just going to quickly type so you can see, but to improve, and it would help if I spelled that correctly. Uh, I'm just going to leave it to improve dot dot dot, right? So that goes in here. I'm going to say this is an articulation goal, and their baseline is three out of 10 opportunities in words, in all positions. So what I am able to do is that when I type down here, the three, what you can see is it populates down here. And then these boxes become my progress report copy and paste. So over time, let's say the next time I go and I do my data collection on the first of the month, we're at four out of 10 opportunities. I come down here, I drop this down, and again, you see it populates down here. So my data sheet is set to have 10 trial articulation data, five trial percent accuracy. Again, you want how you're collecting your data to match how the goal is written. These are, um, there are language ones, again, same thing, 10 trial, five trial, percent accuracy, and then also customizable ones. The other thing that I have in here um, is an attendance calendar. So this is updated um, with every year, and then it has the, the weekends and like the, the legal holidays shaded out. So when I see a student, I come in, I tend to use you know green if it's they're here and I see them, red and I put an H if they're home. If I'm unavailable for some reason, I code it yellow and put it therapist unavailable. And then within that, within the document, there's you know directions on how to use all of this. But that's pretty much what a sample looks like. And then when I get to progress report time, I take this box and I copy and I go into my IEP and my students' progress reports are done. Michelle, like, that's so cool. That's amazing. Like that, right? Um, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. I do want to say for those of you listening to the replay, um, that I will, Michelle, tell me if I can add the slides to the show notes or screenshots of those uh, images. Yes, we can. So yes. they can see what it looks like. So we'll did figure it not that out at, to it then. So, okay. Yeah, we will figure that out. We will make sure on the replay that you um, get to see everything. We will yeah. figure that out. Okay. Um, Perfect. I'm going to go back to 
just sharing a few more slides. Um, has anybody, have you watched the chat? Has anybody put any questions into the chat? Um, I have it open. Um, okay. No questions into the chat yet, but, um, okay. and right. feel free if you think of a question um, right now, you can go ahead and type it into the chat. And then when we do get to the Q and A, it'll already yeah. be there yep. ready for us. <laughs> we are almost there. Okay. But just to, just to um, one more point about the data sheets is that my school district is a Microsoft district. I use them in Excel. What I just showed you is the Google Sheets version that is, to be honest, much more popular. Um, but they do, like I said, they include that activity log. Um, I use that to copy for my medical access billing note um, an attendance sheet so that it's easy to track. If you do your services by IEP year and a student um, needs to have so many sessions within their year, or so many sessions in a week, it is very visual, very easy for you to see, as well as um, including both articulation and language um, and the different ways that your goals can be measured. So again, just to kind of think about that cycle, again, try to move away from thinking about it being linear and, and more cyclical. We want to use those data collection probes to collect our baseline, we put it in our goal, we are gonna use that same probe over and over to progress monitor, and then you are going to report that out. You're gonna report it in your progress, progress reports, you are going to report it um, in your present levels of your IEP for the next year, you're gonna report out how they did um, and so forth. So I'm going to pause there for a second, Michelle. Anything before I move into just the last part? Anything you want to add, think I should highlight? Let's see. Make I just sure wanna... we went through all of our learner objectives. I'm pretty yes. sure we did. Um, I'm going to take a quick sip. I'm going through my questions ahead. Defensible. I think we did, but. Yeah, I think so. So the next part is talking more about your system, correct? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk about that. Michelle has, okay. as you kind of just saw an right. amazing data collection system. So take it away. Tell them all about this awesome. Okay. So I would say, you know, like you guys are, are certainly capable, right? You guys know your caseload, you know, your kids the best. You can review your current system, start to compile materials, um, I would say that certainly a lot of the, you know, either lingua systems, super duper on TPT, there are, there are books out there that maybe have pre and post tests. You can go through those things. There are also, um, subscriptions, which I'm going to say are, you know, sometimes expensive subscriptions, but there are other ways to get probes out there. But I'm going to tell you that, you know, my, um, 25th year in the schools, like, you can revise your systems or I would be happy to have you let me um, help you through my experience and kind of honing these skills and, and these probes. So I have what I use um, on a day-to-day -day basis and I call it my data makeover um, data collection bundle. And it is complete with um, 13 time saving resources, articulation, language processing data, following directions, inferences, comprehension, questions, social skills, 
vocab grammar. Um, like I said at the beginning, I am an elementary, mainly an elementary-based SLP. Um, a lot of the questions I sometimes get are, what's the age for, for these? And I would always tell you that it depends on the language level of the student that you're working with. Um, but it is super comprehensive. It is really complete. And I think it will um, really kind of change your system for you for the better. So I would say that saving yourself time is obviously priceless. Um, we agree that we don't want to work past those contractual hours. We, I don't want my coworker spending her entire weekend working on progress reports to get them done. Um, the bundle itself, when you put it together, is over two is two hundred and thirty dollars. Um, and the offer for you guys um, watching live and on the replay is that the bundle is um, going to be thirty percent off for you guys. There is an exclusive code um, just for you that is Pep Talk twenty five that would give you an additional um, twenty five dollars off the bundle. I'm going to pull up here a QR code. The URL is also on the slide, but if you want to, you know, pull up your phone, you can QR code yourself um, right to the bundle itself on my website. The discount code will not expire. So again, for those of you watching on the replay, um, you are certainly able to use it as well. You would save um, $25. I want to make sure I put up my contact information. So this is how you connect with me. Um, again, especially if you're watching now, you have questions later on that you say, oh, I wish I had asked, like, please email me. Um, people do that all the time. If you're watching on the replay, you can connect with me via email. You can connect with me um, on Instagram, on Facebook. I have a Pinterest. And then the one other thing that I want to make sure that I um, offer for you guys is a free IEP goal handbook. And again, you can scan the QR code or use the URL here. And essentially, these are every IEP goal written for every skill in that data collection bundle. So again, another massive time saver is like you would never have to say like, how am I going to write that IEP goal again? I gave this probe. I assess this area, like, what am I writing? I've done all the writing for you. And this is free regardless of whether you use my probes or not. Um, it's a massive time saver. And so I want to make sure that you guys, um, you guys grab that. And I will prop up one more time the, the bundle um, QR code and then say a quick thank you for you guys being here. Um, I know on a Monday night, after work, uh, you're pretty passionate about what you do and what you do for your kids in order to show up, not only for them, but show up for yourself. So thank you for that. And I'm gonna, gonna stop sharing. I'm gonna <laughs> All right, and Michelle, I put, the, I put the links in the chat. Oh, awesome. um, and then I'm also gonna, I, I'll send everyone an email as well with all those links too, just so as I, I don't know if the chat is, I don't think it's available after the show. So, um, I'll send everyone all that information. Um, and then, um, uh, I, so do you mind if I jump in for, I'm just, oh, I was sure. like quickly looking at the chat, but I see that somebody in the chat. So, um, Dana, I, I hope I, it's okay if I read it, but she said, this is, this is a school district that I dealt with. 
um, that actually purchased the data collection probes for all of their SLPs. And her feedback was this was our, a big initiative in our district switching to data collection probes. And her testimonial is the bundle is amazing. We purchased them for all the SLPs in our district and they are loving using them. So thank you. I'm so I'm so thrilled for that feedback. Um, I have been like anxiously waiting. I've had a couple connections with the therapists that are using them. Um, but that like that puts me over the moon. That'll make my week. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. But I just am kind of looking. I see Lisa has a question that we can get to, but um yeah, yeah. Just, everyone, if you have a question, go ahead and type it into the chat. Um, and we'll look through the the chat for a QA portion. Yes. So I do you mind if I I see Lisa asked a question mm -hmm. about using the data form for a rubric. Okay, let's answer that one. Let's see. Okay. So Lisa. um without knowing the the setup of your rubric, um I, I'll I'll answer it as best as I can. And then if you need clarification if you need me to clarify something, Lisa, please put it in um, the chat. But what I would do is um, there are times where I will use, I will modify um, the customizable tabs to be exactly what I need. So if the rubric is based off of, let's say it's a 25 point rubric, I would add, and I can't remember off the top of my head, how many um, rows I have. I think the customizable one has has 10 rows. So basically what I would do is I, for me, I would copy those 10 rows. Um, I would add 15 more, and then I would count my points each time I probe that scale. Or what I would do sometimes is delete all nine rows and just leave one, and then put in what the score on the rubric was that particular day so that it then populates down into the bottom box for progress reports so that I then have that copy and paste ability. So um, obviously the rubric, the totals um, are set. So, and if it's not quantitative and it's qualitative, then what I would probably do is add the markers into the boxes and highlight them that way. And then and then put it into the progress report piece. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, Brianne has a question. She said, "How would data probes work when working with a group of students with different IEP goals?" Okay, that's a great question, and I can tell you that that is what I do all the time. So all of my students have different goals. Um, I have most of my groups. I mean, ninety-nine percent of my groups are mixed groups. So. What I would say is that if it's an articulation group, I almost always take all of their probe data at the same time. I have um, my art. So the, the thing I will tell you about the articulation or all of the probes is that they can be digital and printed. So depending upon the technology you have, I'm fortunate that I have multiple iPads so I can pull up exactly what a student needs in front of them when it's different for every student. If I know that that's a luxury and not everybody has that, you would then have the ability to print out. Um, but I kind of do it like like a rotating center. So I could have one student where I'm probing um, categorization, naming um, how many, you know, name me three things within a category. 
I could have a student that I'm probing what questions on, and I could have a student that I'm probing conjunctions on. And as long as their goals, I am not probing and they're not getting the same probe in the same session where they listening to each other could influence what they then give back to me, I will sometimes do it completely. Your response, your response, your response, your response. The other thing that I often do is, and what is more popular when it becomes, when my students are language based is I run like a, like centers in my room. So one student will be with me one-on-one and then the other two students are either, if they're a group of three doing something collaborative together, like a, a, a therapy work game or an independent worksheet or boom cards under headphones or uh, a subscription, I have um, Super Duper's Here Builder that's appropriate for a lot of my students based for their goals. So they all rotate through and that's why it'll take me the whole week to get through. So if a student has two or three goals and I have two or three kids in a group, it's gonna take me all of their sessions to rotate them through. And um, people have asked me in the past, like, what do you do for, you know, students with a higher degree of need? What do you do with students who are working, who struggle to work independently? I have always done it with my students that are in what, what in Pennsylvania we call regional autistic support classrooms. They're all working on building independence. Like this is an opportunity for them to work on building their independent work habit. Um, and so I will tailor what I'm giving them to be something that they can do independently. Um, it will still be language-based, goal-based. Um, and if they need to sit at the table with me and they can't sit on the floor because that's too hard for them and they need a little more like, all right, keep going, a little more close proximity and encouragement, I, I will do that. But um, Brianne, all of my students, how I do, like, I don't see, I want to say, do I see anybody on my caseload right now that's individual? Um, no. So all of my students right now are in a group. So it takes, there's a learning curve for you and for your students, right? When you start to implement this, it's not seamless in the beginning, but I will tell you that it, the, the benefits far outweigh the challenges at the outset. Awesome. Okay. I just posted a bunch of links here at the end. Okay. Um, okay. We'll wait and see if anyone else has another question too for a minute, but I thought I'd do a little shameless plug here. Yes. Um, I do have, I was interviewed on a podcast just a few weeks ago, Christy from Speeching It Real, uh, the Speeching It Real podcast um, that is being released um, this Wednesday, February. Let me make sure I say the date right. Uh, February 20. 28th, <laughs> um, just in the morning, like 7 a.m. or something like that. So check out her podcast. I linked it here oh, as well. Excellent. Um, and I then, can't wait to check it out. Yeah. And it's just you like want- a fun, all of her what? episodes are really just fun, conversational. I talk about um, just kind of like how I started my private practice a little bit, not like yeah. giving you all advice on <laughs> all the details of that, but uh, just kind of how it went yeah. and uh, starting my boom store, TBT store in the podcast and just just kind of a little behind the scenes there. Oh. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in there since it's being released this week. And um, also, you guys, you all have sat here for about an hour. You've learned so much. 
get credit. <laughs> now it's time. Uh, it's almost time to take the course quiz and you get your certificate that is ASHA approved PDH professional development hour. Um, or also if you live in Texas or if these count for your other state, which most states, this also counts. Uh, it's a Tisha CEU. So the last part um, of when you're taking the quiz, you can, I can, you can fill that last form out if you are a Tisha member um, and I can submit your CEUs to Tisha. Um, but otherwise, you just hold on to your certificate. Um, and if you get audited by ASHA, then you send it in. Right. That's kind of how it works. Um, let's see if there's any other no, questions. I don't see anybody. No other questions. Okay. Goodness, our time was perfect on here. Right. If anyone has any other questions, we'll, we'll kind of look for a little bit. But this was so great, Michelle. This is great information, whether you work at a school or not, but for sure if you work at a school. <laughs> Uh, but even for me, I'm thinking I really need to have data probes because I've definitely written goals and then went to see that kid the next week. And it's like, oh, they can do that. <laughs> or it's, you know, it's, they I mean, might all, have missed it on the test, guilty, right? Like you said, yeah. Correct. Like, we're all well, guilty of that, right? Yeah. Luckily yes. in private practice, I kind of just, and I don't take insurance either at this point. Um, even so better. Even better. I just kind of change out their goal. But, yeah. um, but it is a hassle. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have kind of dug a little deeper, but this has been so incredibly helpful. Um, I really can't thank you enough. And thank you for being my first live yes, podcast thank episode. Thank you for pick. Yes. This, <laughs> this has been so awesome. wonderful. Thank you so much. It's an honor yes. to uh, be a guest. All right. So I have just kind of my last little spill and I get, and then we'll <laughs> kind of wave goodbye. So, all, all right. right, you guys, thank you all for listening. I hope you've learned something today. All of the references and resources throughout the episode are listed in the show notes and also listed on the pep talk podcast for SLP's website. If you want to learn more about Michelle, make sure to check out her Instagram at, at SLP.madness. Um, where she shares helpful SLP tips and tricks and offers the data collection system she created, which is very impressive, by the way. Uh, Michelle, thank you again for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Pep Talk podcast. Remember, you can use this podcast episode for a professional development hour to maintain your ASHA CCCs. You must earn your certificate of completion in order to get credit. This podcast course is also Tisha certified. I live in Texas, so that stands for the Texas Speech and Hearing Association. All the references and information mentioned in today's episode are listed in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or simply want to chat, please email me or find me on Instagram, Facebook, or go to peptalkpodcastforslps.com. Thank you for joining in and for continuing your education with me.